Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, 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 everybody. Uh, Good to have you back with us for another episode. And this one is our bonus episode. You're probably wondering why it's not Wednesday at 2.22 when this is happening. Uh, Every week at 2.22 on Wednesday, we'll bring you a new episode. But this week is the bonus episode because it's the 22nd of the month. Remember, we're crazy about twos. So today's bonus episode, we have a special guest in the house here with us. And uh, let me introduce... Wait, 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 wait. I want to tell our audience some of the things that I know about our guest before before you announce his name. Before I even say his name. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So this is what I know about this fine young man. Growing up, he was a highly competitive wrestler. He has boxes and boxes full of medals, one in freestyle, folk style, and Greco wrestling. He competed in Horse 4-H and won the Grand Championship with his horse, Fred. He has raised over a dozen different species of reptiles and small animals, such as chameleons, iguanas, bearded dragons, ferrets, hedgehogs, chinchillas, rabbits, and a variety of birds, including a pet crow, and even had a pet raccoon. What about the ferrets? Didn't I say ferrets? Did you say ferrets? I I didn't hear it. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) He's an Eagle Scout And he graduated with a master's degree in social work from the University of Hawaii. He taught school in Thailand and completed an internship at an orphanage, also in Thailand, for his master's degree. So, Scotty, now you can tell them. I can tell. A spectacular person is none other than our own son, Sean McIntosh, uh, also known as Cian. Anyway, welcome to the show, Sean. Good to see you today. Hi. Thanks for that introduction. Thank you for agreeing to come on our show. Today we're going to talk about something that was unexpected that happened in our family. Have you ever had anything unexpected arise in your family where we're going to talk about one of those moments? So Becky, why don't you just uh, read that letter that he sent us? Well, this took place on January 11th, 2012, precisely at 11.11 p.m. Oh, yeah, it was 11.11 p.m., which is half of 22.22. I'm just going to read it to you. Hey, so I'm not going to beat around the bush too much. I'm just going to tell you something that I'm sure you already know, or it has at least crossed your mind plenty of times. I'm gay. I'm sure this isn't the best news a parent could hear, but I feel like it is not right for me to not talk to you about something very real to me. I want you to know I'm very much the same weird Sean, ha. I love you and dad so much, and you're the best parents a kid could ask for. This is why it's taken me so long to tell you. I'm fine with the pain it can bring me at times, but I just didn't want to hurt you because you don't deserve it. Once again, I love you very much, but I want to keep this brief because I am sure you'd rather talk in person, and I am 100% fine with that. I haven't told anyone ever. I wanted you and Dad to be the first to know. Now, the sting of reading those words, I'm gay, was quickly masked by that last sentence. I haven't told anyone ever. I wanted you and Dad to be the first to know. 
to me, that validated how awesome, amazing, and considerate my son is. It also shed light on the fact that my son had closeted his most conflicted and torn feelings with lock and key alone, and that I was not proud of. Now, when I read that message, I wasn't totally shocked, though this was this was something that had crossed my mind a few times, but I had never spoken about it out loud. I had never talked about this with my husband, but it was something that I that had crossed my mind because here was my son, a very strikingly good-looking young man, with all the girls were chasing him, and he was not pursuing them. And this just did not seem like normal for a boy. But I was very, very proud that he was involved in sports and extracurricular activities and got very good grades. And he was just a great kid. But this was something that crossed my mind. Now, my husband was in the other room, and he received the message. And tell him how you reacted. I reacted really kindly. And... uh... It knocked me off my feet because I didn't foresee it at all. Becky mentioned that she may have wondered, but never really wanted to be bold about that. But I, uh, I can even, I didn't even fathom that. It, it threw me for a loop, and I, and I knew Sean didn't uh, chase girls. He is such a tightwad. He is so frugal with his money that it was just obvious to me that he just didn't want to spend money on a girl. That's all there was to it. Basically, uh, I did. I acted very unkind uh, that night. Sean was not there, and and I was very upset that he wrote it in a Facebook message. And I went on a little uh, rant, and I said some things that were horrible and mean and and, and unbecoming of a father who should be just loving their son. And so it was good that he wasn't there, because I don't think I would have controlled those had he had been there. It gave me time to cool down. And so when he did come home and and, and I was able to talk to him later. Uh, it was like four in the morning. I just went down to his room. I knocked on his door. He was leaving for school the next morning to go, uh, on a flight. And I just uh, knocked on his door. He opened the door. And I, I just had outstretched arms and gave him a hug. And, and he said, Dad, but, but you've been really mean over the years. And I said, yeah, I have. And, and anyway, he talked about uh, some family members and things and things that I'd said. And, and he was right. But And I still wasn't ready to, you know, be the super cool dad here. I was still trying to figure all this out. And, and I said, you know what, let's just talk later. And for the next two years, that talk never came. We just uh, avoided it. I did anyway. Uh, Sean often wanted to talk and discuss this, and and it didn't happen. He would come home for Christmas just once a year, and, and I would avoid it. We'd still go do the fun things that we always did, but we'd just avoid the elephant in the room. I figured if I buried my head deep enough in the sand, it would go away. So basically, uh, we just finally had a conversation, and, and that came to where I got it. I understood, and, and we saw each other on equal terms. And so I want to catch up to speed before we turn it over to Sean. Uh, my initial reaction after I read that, and I immediately called him up. He was out visiting his friends to say goodbye to them as he was leaving the next day to head back to college and said, I just got your message. Love you. Yes, I want to talk about this. Hurry home. By the time he got home, Scott had already fallen asleep. (laughs) And so it was just Sean and I that stayed up till about four in the morning talking and asking many, many questions. And I was giving him a lot of advice 
and a lot of to-dos and not-to-dos and pretty much telling him I loved him, but here's some conditions to go by. So with that, Sean, let's let you share your side. Uh, Beginning with that night. Let's back up, share what it was like growing up. You're 24 years old and finally coming out. Mm -hmm. And, and, that night when I was asking you questions, trying to get a, a better understanding, I was so touched and and hurt as he described the years that you just wanted to end your life and take your life. Um, yeah, it was rough. I always knew that my family loved me and my parents loved me, but it was almost a double-edged sword because I felt like they only loved me because they didn't know the real me. And that was always my fear is the the person that they knew wasn't the real me. And it was this unknown fear of would they love me as the real me. And as I would hear things, um, they didn't know what they were saying. They would say things um, putting down gay people that we didn't know or uh, people on television. Those things I would I would listen and I would hear. And they weren't directed at me, but little did they know that they were. And those things I would hear, regardless of where I was, in social situations, at church, um, at school, in different scenarios. And I just kind of felt this constant battle of, I need to continue to be this thing that I'm not because I need to make everyone else happy so that my family can continue to love me. And they're so good. My family's so awesome that the last thing I would want to do is disappoint. Just knowing my son, Sean, and what the amazing young man that he is, that completely threw me off of what my perception was of someone that I figured was choosing to be gay. And knowing Sean, I really wanted to understand and why he would choose to be gay. Did you choose this, Sean? No, of course not. And and that was the difficult part. And when I met with you that night after I did send you that Facebook message, it kind of, I had to be patient with you because you were coming from a place where this was new to you. And I kind of, I knew this, I knew you, your reaction would be somewhat similar to what it was. And so I needed to be patient with you more giving me advice with where in regards to me, I mean, I'd been dealing with this for 24 years and I had done all these advice things that you were giving me, but I didn't. I didn't want to look at that as offensive. I needed to be open-minded and allow you to to go through that as well. And so I just tried to be patient with that. I mean, the first thing you said to me, we might disagree with it. It was kind of funny. I remember I walked in and you said, well, what are we going to do about this? And I didn't even know how to respond to that. You looked at me very seriously and you said, well, obviously we need to get you on maybe some sort of testosterone. <laughs> I do or remember something. that. And I, my mind was just blown. I wasn't ready for that. And I said, no, mom, that's not going to fix anything. I did anything. not understand. And, and I had to be patient with that. And I heard lots of things Weird. like that over <laughs> the next period of time, different advice and things. And I just tried to be super patient with them um, because I didn't want it to turn into a me against them situation. Um, I needed to give them time to process as it did take me a long time to, to get to the point where I was. And... I feel like by doing so, things were actually able to get to a better place much quicker. I remember, Sean, as you went back to school, I would email you a lot. And I would send you articles to read and and some scriptures to read. And 
And I was just so certain that if once he read them, that he would just, you know, everything would be, would be fine. And not that his attraction would switch a switch, but that he would just know the path to take in life. And, and it was on the, it was still within my vision board of what I had always seen for my son. Now, I remember one of my daughters calling and, and saying, Mom, why are you saying such hurtful things to Sean? Uh, what are you talking about? And I would pull up my email and think, what is hurtful? It's all out of love. And I tell him how much I love him. But not that long ago, when we were packing and going through things to, to move into our new home, I came across an email. Ah, oh, I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. But I came across an email that I had sent him. And this time, as I read it with new eyes, I got it. And it made me cry. And I saw the hurt that, it, that I was causing him by the things that, that I was saying that I thought would bring him peace and inspiration were really hurt. Sean, do you remember those emails? Yes, definitely. And why, why was it so, so hurtful? I knew that they were coming from a place of love, but it was also a lot of I love you but statements, but we need you to do this. I love you, but I know you you can beat this, or I know. And it was more, I love you, but I need to get you back to the person that I've known, not this new information that you've given to me. And so it was almost like a double-edged sword where I felt like I had shared something very important to you and opened up, but it, it, it still wasn't enough. It They still came with the buts. And... It would really hurt my feelings, definitely. Yeah. I thought I was loving unconditionally, but I learned that I was adding buts, that my love had conditions. And it took a while to really learn what that meant. On the night when Sean and I had that, our very first talk, and Sean said, Mom, you're the first person that I've talked to about this. And I'm not sure if I'm ready to come out yet. So please, please don't tell anyone. And I thought, oh, believe me, this is one secret. It will be so easy to keep. I don't want anyone to know, except I asked permission to tell two different people that I knew would be very helpful. I said, I need someone I can talk to with. And one also had a son that had come out. And and so I, I asked permission if I could talk with them. And he, he gave permission but other than that, that was pretty much much it. Two years later, when I knew Sean was coming home again for Christmas and I needed to read a book that he had asked me to read about a year and a half earlier, and I hadn't finished it. It was a tough read because it was story after story of, of suicides and from parents kicking out their child after they came out, their young son or young daughter, and, and them taking their life. And so it was a really a tough, tough read. But I knew he was coming home and I need to finish that book. And so upon reading that, I had a strong impression that I needed to come out of my closet as a mother, a Christian mother of a gay son. And not just Christian mother, a Mormon mother of a gay son that embraced and loved her son and loved the religion and church that that I had grown up in. 
So I asked Sean if, if when he came home for Christmas time, if he would be okay about doing a video and us sharing our story so that others would know that they were not alone. And do you remember when I first asked you that? Mm-hmm. And you were just kind of quiet. And then you said, oh, wow, mom, that would really be putting me out there. But I think we need to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was scared at first because it's scary to put yourself out there that vulnerable, but I felt like it would be a good message that would help a lot of people was the goal. So when he came home, we did a video. We have a a sister that graduated in TV video production and she brought her camera and everything for Christmas and we we made this little video and I wrote a blog post, sent it out to the extended family first. I did not want them to hear about it on social media and met with our ecclesiastical leaders also and had them watch the video and the blog post. The guy says, you may get, you know, some phone calls from people within our community wondering what Becky McIntosh is talking about, this elephant in the room. And so we made this video and and it was still really scary pushing that publish button and sharing it on Facebook. And the response from that was overwhelming and positive. And still two years later, I still get people reaching out to me that have stumbled upon that video on on YouTube. And that's Sean sharing his story and me as a mother pleading with the world to reinvest in kindness. Sean, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about something that you've talked about in the past. Uh, You were okay dealing with people and, and them understanding this about you. What your fear was, was those in our congregations, at our schools, in our communities, that things are being said that are hurtful to them, that people just aren't aware of what they're saying. Can you touch on that uh, more so and the, the things that you grew up with hearing, whether it be in your home or your school, that you heard that were just tough on you? Uh, yeah, I remember specifically when Ellen became an American Idol judge, and my mom was really upset that this huge platform was being used and a lesbian was allowed to be a judge. And that things like that hurt my feelings. Uh, things where people would say, that's so gay, everything, that's so gay, that's gay. It's very derogatory, um, using the word gay or you fag, um, things like that, um, just in common conversation. like That was just normal. Or family events um, where I, I have a cousin who was gay and my dad leaving the room just so frustrated and saying I can't even stand to be in in the same room as him I don't I just don't know how his parents deal with it it's just so frustrating like, I don't get it and hearing things like that just pushes you farther into the closet because it's weird because you love your parents and your family so much and they're often the ones hurting you but then you at the same time want to protect them and that's what I wanted to do I need to add a plug here to Ellen, that now we love Ellen. Yeah, Ellen's great. I <laughs> we, don't know how anyone could hate Ellen. I, I know, exactly. And I'm an embarrassed of my thoughts and my perception of the LGBT community. Yeah, it's greatly changed. I haven't changed, though, have I? <laughs> Both of you have changed like crazy. Something that uh, helped me, and it was Sean that helped me get through this, is one night we were having our discussion, and I and I just looked at him, I said, uh, out of frustration, I said, but Sean, why would you choose this? And something that he said was very impactful. And, and this is what absolutely changed my whole thought process. He just laughed first, and he said, Dad, you really think that I chose 
to be in the group of people or that is more hated and more misunderstood than any other group on the earth. And that did resonate with me. That did hit home to think, well, yeah, why would he choose to be in that group? And so when I understood that and I was able to take a step back and gain a new perspective, because it wasn't just him that I was learning about. It was my nephew who he had mentioned that I was very bitter and very um, mean to and, and about, as well as many people that I've known in my life. And, and I, every one of them, I thought that they had chosen this set of circumstances that they were in. And if they were going to choose to be in this group of people, then they deserved everything they got. And, and that was just simply wrong. It wasn't a choice. that They uh, had been struggling with something their entire life that made them feel different than the norm. And anybody that ever feels different than the norm sometimes gets pushed aside and becomes bullied. And we as the norm do that. And really, how norm are we? Every one of us has something that we're battling with. And, and to ever think that we're better than another person or higher uh, is, just, is just wrong. And so it was a great lesson that I learned of realizing that, that it wasn't something that he chose, and, and nor did my nephew, who I'd given so much grief. And I really didn't give it to him to his face. I'm one of those uh, backstabber guys. Yeah, I just uh, I wouldn't say it to his face. So, But so true with so many people. But Sean, thank you for sharing that part. What about in church? Did you hear comments? They weren't even intentional, whether it was school or, or, or wherever, that just things got said. Uh, yeah, I definitely heard things. Um, I have specific examples, but then at the more generic sense, I mean, at church, uh, homosexuality was oftentimes compared to murder or just second to murder. And to think that they were comparing that something that I was was comparable to murder was a struggle. Um, knowing that I was doing the best that I could and I thought I was a good person. I thought I was just doing the best that I literally could and still thinking in my head, I'm being homosexuality me. I'm being compared to something like that. It was it was hard. It was really uh, hurtful and a struggle. Wow. So uh, and those kinds of things just happened in our community, in our home, in our church, our schools. Your big concern that you have now is the the children that haven't identified that they're still trying to figure out who they are and, and how they fit in this world, and and things get said. Uh, what, what's your advice for that? I mean, I feel like we just need to be welcoming to all. Um, a closet isn't a place that people should be and it's not healthy and it's a dangerous place and we have a lot of suicides and and things going on and it's it's a simple reason is that people people don't feel important in this world and so we seem to be aware of the things that we're saying and be welcoming and inviting towards people instead of derogatory whether they're jokes or whether they're your real personal feelings those things that you say really affect those around you. And I oftentimes know that people don't realize what they're saying, um, but that's what I'm trying to tell you now. Be aware of what you're saying because people are listening, whether it's your child, um, someone in your primary class or anything. People are listening and they're making life decisions based on what you're saying, which is an, oh, an extreme thing to think of, but it's, it's true. It's very true. And I mean, that's what kept me in that place that I was in for such a long time is because I didn't feel like I had a safe environment to be able to be my real, my real self. So what, what made you decide that you were safe enough at age 24 when you reached out to us in that letter? 
Um, I was still scared. I didn't completely feel safe, but I felt like I no longer had any options. It was, it was a. I loved coming um, and seeing my family in Utah, but I also hated it at the same time because the questions that I would constantly get is, "Who are you dating? When are you getting married?" And these were super stressful questions to someone who was trying so hard to hide their sexuality. And so it was stressful and I hated it and it was annoying. And so it eventually came to this point where I was sick of lying to people. I was, I was either lying to people and making up people that I was dating or, and it just didn't feel right. I, I was sick of lying and I decided that I, it needed to happen because that was the reality. And I, I didn't want to lie to my friends and family anymore. Sean, that night when we stayed up talking, you told me about some years when you contemplated just ending your life. It was in my early teenage years. So I was I was pretty young. I felt like I didn't really fit in in a lot of environments. I just I felt like I didn't want to disappoint my family because I hadn't accepted the fact that I was gay, but I knew I was different and I knew that I was attracted to my same sex. And that I liked, I liked boys and that scared me. And I knew that I had always been taught that that wasn't okay. And that there wasn't going to be a place for me in the future, um, as far as a family and, and dating and all that. And I just couldn't envision a future for me. And I also couldn't envision a future of me coming out because I knew how bad that would hurt my, my family. So I felt like the only option for me and the best option I thought it would make everyone happy was for me to just end my life and go away peacefully without them ever having to know. Yeah. When you shared that with me, that, that broke my heart and so glad that you didn't act upon that. I can't imagine a life or having to live a life without you. What a big hole that would have been. So what do you think in living this situation that's different than the, the family's ideal of what we thought a home would be to not hold grudges of things that were said. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think, I just think I'm patient. I don't know. I don't think it was something that I did. Um, I don't think that either of you are necessarily very patient, so it might not have been genetics. (laughs) Oh, come on. Um, I don't know, but I feel like I just needed to be patient with you and that was going to be the best way to do things. And, and, and this discussion is not on what's right and what's wrong. Any of those types of things along homosexuality, heterosexuality, or any of those types, we're not even going down that road. All we're talking about is how do we treat people when they're dealing with a bigger Goliath in their life than we understand. It was a process, and I don't want it to feel like this is a big struggle or something that's a, a, a bad thing in my life. What we're referring to is the struggle of coming to an understanding with myself and my family and friends and having that all work together in a way that I felt loved and appreciated. I don't want this to feel like when we're referring to struggle that they're talking about being gay is a struggle. It can be a struggle coming to terms with the fact of of who you are, but I just want to make it clear that I don't consider being gay as a struggle to who I am. Um, I just, I feel like it's definitely, honestly, like made me a better person. But October is uh, anti-bullying month. And the fact is that those who are gay have been bullied quite often. 
it's a struggle that way. The reality of what they go through, and then I think that you know some statistics as far as uh, those taking their life. Just some of the some of the things that they deal with. How do how do we avoid that? How do we, as parents, become better parents? Because you hear the stories of when they found out their son was gay, they kicked him out of the house and said, "Don't ever come back." How do we get past that? Yeah, it's important that parents create a safe environment for all their children. Um, and that's basically by being an example and being willing to listen and to not be judgmental. Na- nationally, the LGBT community has a significantly higher rate of suicide, specifically in Utah where we are now. Um, that's the number one um, killer of teenagers to young adults in this state is suicide. And these individuals are oftentimes LGBT and also the homeless population is significantly higher of LGBT individuals, specifically in Utah, it's 40%. And when you think of how much smaller the population is of LGBT compared to heterosexual, that's a huge number, 40%. And it's super sad because oftentimes these kids, they come out to their parents and their parents look at it in a sense of rebellion. Um, rather, they think their child's choosing this and they're not following what they've taught their kid. And so if you're not going to – if you're going to live in my house, it's going to be my rules. And so they, they kick their child out instead of just listening to their child and trying to understand, get to the bottom of where their child is coming from. And these kids are left homeless in extremely dangerous environments where they – they're trying to numb their feelings. They don't know what to do with their lives. And so they oftentimes turn to drugs and get themselves into situations that obviously are not healthy where the outcome of staying in the home with the family and openly listening and having conversations and trying to understand one another is significantly the better option. Please don't kick your kids out of your house. Please don't make them feel like they have to choose between something that they didn't make a choice of in the first place and leaving your home. That shouldn't be a choice that anyone should have to feel like. They shouldn't have to feel like they have to choose their family. Family is family and family is forever. And we need to make sure that that is something that is well known to your kids at all time. Just to be treat people like human beings and just treat them for who they are. I want to talk about another piece that maybe some listeners are wondering is if Sean's dating or, or, you know, what was our reaction to that? Does he have a boyfriend? And I remember receiving a text from Sean that said, hey, can I bring so-and-so to dinner on Sunday? And Sean is a, a kidder. And I text back and I said, you know, is this person a boy or a girl? And he said, it's a boy, mom. It's someone that I'm dating that I really care about. And I would like him to meet the family. I felt like I'd been punched in the gut oh, wow, I thought this was a possibility, but I, it wasn't on my vision board. And I immediately, you know, said a prayer. Heavenly Father, what, what do I do? And again, it was the same answer that he's given me over and over. Love him. Love him unconditionally. I thought, oh, that's what I've been doing, except but you didn't mean this part. Yeah, love him. Love him unconditionally. So I, I text back, yes. And thought, okay, here we go. And let me tell you, when we met that young man, we fell in love with that young man. He was an exceptional person. 
And why I even would doubt that, that my son, who's an exceptional person, would be dating someone that would be horrible, that just wouldn't happen. It was someone as, as exceptional as him. And though this is something that was not on my vision board, it was hard to wrap my brain around, it was reality. And I know there's some parents saying, why would you even talk about this? Because this is reality. This is real life. And I am so grateful that it's part of my real life that I am living because it's helped me to learn and grow. It's helped me to learn to be more compassionate, to be more patient, to be more, to just look at people as people. And on top of all of that, something that uh, Becky has been able to get very involved in this community and because of Sean and his situation, it's funny how life twists and turns, but because of that, literally, so many young men who have not been treated equally and fair by their community or their parents or whoever. And they have been in very ugly situations. And, and literally, 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 many times Becky has had to talk them down from cliffs and to get them to not take that leap uh, of just to, life's worth living and to let them know that they're loved. And, and it's amazing that the work that she has done in this community with helping people just to continue to be alive and realize that there's something better coming. Yes, there is way too much sadness in the world, unnecessary sadness. And I, I often hear parents blame themselves or want to put the blame on their spouse for their son or daughter being gay, wondering if they did something to cause their son or daughter to be gay or to choose to be gay. Did the dad not spend enough time or were they too doting of a mom? What are your feelings on that, Sean? I think, yeah, parents way overthink that, and I don't think it has really anything to do with that. Stereotyping a gay individual isn't a thing you want to do either. We we are completely different. A lot of us um, are more flamboyant. A lot of us are more masculine, and that's fine. We can be whatever range we are, and that's kind of the best part of it is we should be able to love our kids for exactly who they are. I remember being stressed constantly growing up in my are my hands okay? Am I walking all right? I just didn't want to give any hints at any time. And that's a stressful way to live, trying to hide even your genetic walk or your voice or or things, trying to pretend something that you're not, is it, it gets difficult. And also in answering that question, I think it's important for kid or for parents not to stereotype their kids and what they need to be. Um, for example, oh, my daughter, I need to put her in gymnastics or dance. Uh, my, my son, oh, he's going to be a football player. He needs to play these sports. Allow children to be who they want to be. I mean, obviously you can naturally help them and guide them in learning on, on and experiencing of, of life. But we don't need to put our kids into these boxes of what they need to do or who they need to be. I mean, an example of that, it's so simple in my Dad had no idea what he was doing, but I remember I hated the first day of school because I'd come home and my dad would always ask, was there any cute girls in your class? And I'd have to lie and make something up because, of course, yeah, there was cute girls, but I wasn't interested in them. And he would he would try to pry at that, and it just made me super uncomfortable. And I think parents oftentimes, looking at the other end of the spectrum, you don't need to worry. You're not going to make your child gay. People will think, well, what if I'm too open-minded? What if I'm too accepting 
will that push my kid in that direction? And of course the answer is no, neither of my parents are gay. They didn't teach me to be gay. I wasn't brought up in a gay open environment. So you don't need to worry about that. You just need to be worried about helping your child to feel safe. Instead of asking that simple question, was there any cute girls in their class? Was there any people in, was there anybody in your class you were attracted to? Is there anyone you liked at school today? Something like that. It's so simple. And you're not going to make your kid gay. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. Pushing in one direction or the other isn't going to make them gay or straight. I'm a person who greatly feels my Heavenly Father's love, and I feel he loves all of his children. And it's important to me that my children know that God loves them and cares for them. Sean, as you were growing up, did you feel that love? And do you feel that God still loves you? Uh, yes. I I always felt that love from Heavenly Father as well as I definitely can still feel that now for sure. I feel a little motherly brag moment coming on, coming on. So just bear with me for a minute. So Sean graduated from BYU-Hawaii with his bachelor's degree in social work and got his master's degree at the University of Hawaii, also in social work. And the great thing about that is that he got into their one-year program. It was quite intense, but it saved him money (laughs) getting into that one year. And one thing that I want to brag about, about Sean, and Scott mentioned it earlier, that he's very frugal with his money. He refuses to be in debt. He put himself through school. We did not help him with one dime, and not because he was gay, because we didn't have one dime to help him with. And our children, not just Sean, our other children put themselves through through college. And Sean paid every dime and graduated with his master's degree debt-free and high on a roll. He's a hard worker, an exceptional young man. Except for when it comes to weeding. He's not a hard worker when it comes to weeding. (laughs) Not manually. No. Well, thank you very much, Sean, for uh, sharing uh, deep and personal things about yourself. And you didn't throw me too far under the bus. Um, a couple of times there was a pretty solid attempt, but I, uh, I came out of it. <laughs> I deserved a lot of the, the things that were said today because not necessarily that he was trying to throw me under a bus. I was just joking there. But the fact that we weren't kind and... and I'll say we... That I was not kind. Well, like she's looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. But it was unintentional. There are things that definitely were said. Yeah, and the reality reality of it all is that I felt I was being very, very loving. I was embracing and loving my son, but yet I was still saying things and doing things that were hurtful, that I were unintentional, and I didn't realize. I remember one day, Sean, when you were over at school in the master's program, and I received a text that said, I'm really hurt, Mom. You've really hurt me. And I remember texting back and forth and trying to understand what you were talking about, and finally I called you. What have I done? Why are you so hurt? And you said, you didn't congratulate me. I said, for what? Gay marriage is legal. I want to get married someday. I don't want to live a life alone. I want to get married, and I want my family to be there. Now that it has passed, I can get married in Utah, and my family can be there. And I don't want it to feel like a funeral. I want my family to be there and be happy. And I said, but Sean, I still envision you being married to a woman. 
and he immediately burst into tears. He said, Mom, don't you think I would want that? I can't, I can't marry a woman. I've kissed girls, and he's told me this before. I've kissed girls. I can't, I'm not marrying a woman, Mom, and I don't want to live a life alone. And we cried together on that phone call. And when I hung up, I thought, wow, okay, I got to let go of my vision board and love my son and be happy for my son. It wasn't necessarily that, I don't know if I said congratulate, that I wanted you to congratulate me. I just wanted you to recognize the fact that this was a huge day in my life. I was, I was in a relationship and I wanted to get married and I wanted to be able to share my life with someone. And this was another stepping stone in, for me to be able to do that. And I remember I was so happy. It was one of the happiest days of my life. And I still remember where I was. I still remember my feelings. I remember posting on Facebook my happiness and all these things. And you didn't, you didn't like it. There wasn't a comment. And you are always so quick to like and comment on all my things. And that didn't happen. And that really hurt my feelings. That something that was so important to me was nothing. No knowledge or acknowledgement was given towards me. Um, and so that, that did hurt my feelings, definitely. And But I'm glad we were able to talk about it. And I'm glad that we were able to talk about it without getting mad at each other. And because I know after that conversation, we were both at a much better place than we were before. I felt I felt better after we talked about it. And I assume that you did as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, when did things start to turn around more with your relationship with with your your father and I? Um, so I felt like I kind of gave you a time period where you were coming to everything with me. I was taking your emails and I was doing all that, but it came to a point when I needed you to listen as well. And that's when I feel like it really took a turning point. And there was a, a long while where you didn't want to listen. You were on the defense of let's fix this and I was listening to you and doing the things that you were doing, but just to just to make you happy and to let you know that I was giving it what I had too. And because I was giving it what I had, I needed you to put in effort too to try to understand the other side of the situation. And when you were willing to do that, to listen to where I was coming from, that's when I feel like great progress was able to be made because that's how understanding happens. We're all different in this world. And when you listen to other people and don't live your life in a little box of how you are, and you try to understand what other people are going through, what other people think and the differences that actually makes our community and everything, a family, everything, a much better situation for everyone. Well, thank you everybody for being here with us today. Our time is up. Appreciate you letting us talk about elephants in the room and and just going after life and, and love and, and uh, humanity, just, being, just treating people like people. As I've traveled the world, people are the same. Doesn't matter your demographics, your location, your social status, your religious belief. Doesn't matter if you're brown, black, white, pink, or green. We all have the same basic needs to feel loved, safe, respected, valued, and loved. Yep. Just love. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, we'll see you later, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us, and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. 
Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.